Welcome to the debut episode of Crafts and Conquer. I am your host, Michael, and I am here to take you on a journey into both the world of craft beer and board games. Two passions I have a lot of. I've drank a lot of craft beer over the years, more than I really wish to admit to. And last couple of years, I've been really, really into board games. Uh, my wife and I play a lot of Arkham Horror, DC Deck Builder, Forbidden Island, Star Wars Outer Rim. So we've kind of eclectic little selection, but that's what this show is about. This show is for me to share my passion for both these things with you, the listener. We'll have a lot of interviews with people from both industries and also fans and just people that love both. So we'll be talking to a wide range of people on this show. This first episode, we have a great interview with Josh and Evan from Very Special Games. I picked up a game off of Kickstarter called Abduction and immediately fell in love with it. Uh, Josh and Evan did an amazing job creating this game. You'll learn more about it during the interview. But I can say is my wife and I have added to our regular rotation. We have already picked up the expansion for it after we only played the game like twice. So it is so much fun. Hope you enjoyed the interview. I'm really excited about this. We have an interview with Josh and Evan from Evan and Josh's Very Special Games. The reason they're on is because, number one, they are amazing game designers. And number two, I'm obsessed with their game, Abduction, which we'll talk about more in the interview. But the fact that you get to kidnap ducks from around the universe while being yelled at by Dave is just a fascinating and fascinating thing. So go ahead, guys, if you want to introduce yourselves. Sure. I'm Evan Katz, one half of uh, Evan and Josh's Very Special Games Company. And I'm Josh Roberts, uh, the other half. Uh, maybe the less necessary half in a lot of ways. <laughs> well, thank you so much, guys, for joining me. Uh, we'll get right in. How did you guys get into game design? You better let Josh take this one. He can give you the full uh, <laughs> bridge version of the story. <laughs> sure. So uh, Evan and I worked at the same growth strategy and innovation consulting firm in uh, Memphis, Tennessee. It, at the time, it was called Southern Growth Studio. It's now called Epic Pivot. Um, and one day I showed up at work uh, at my normal time, and Evan was already there, which uh, was a weird day in and of itself uh, out of the gate. Um, <laughs> but as I, I walked in, he you know, told me about a conversation he had the night before with a friend um, about whether or not there was a correlation um, between a variety of things. But the, the example he gave was uh, your age and how much you were willing to spend on a steak dinner. So if you imagine, you know, <laughs> you're in college in your 20s and, and maybe $20 is kind of the cap. Uh, you're headed to Applebee's to get their ribeye. Um, but, you know, you get into your 60s and you've had a long career and some success and, you know, maybe you're willing to spend a little more on dinner. Um, and, you know, I'm sure a little chuckle, slightly amusing. Um, and then he said, do you think we can make a game out of that concept? Um, and that was a really interesting question for me. Uh, so that day, you know, we, we drew up um, on sticky notes, uh, you know, some some kind of weird x-axis options and um just some cards we thought were funny for y-axis uh and and that sort of became the early version of our first game charity party um and by lunchtime that day we were in the conference room of the consultancy playing um a very early too hard to play and understand version of charity party but it, it was kind of clear that everybody had fun with the concept and, and there might be something there so this is uh, only a couple hours like literally you started in the morning and were playing it at noon yeah yeah that's <laughs> that's inspiration <laughs> we're we're talking literally on sticky notes uh like the the way it worked was you'd have kind of the uh line for any uh, for a chart um, the trend line, and then there'd be a X axis, which would be something like, you know, time or time of day, or, uh, maybe someone's age. And so you'd like pair those things randomly together. And then we had, you know, just in probably half an hour drawn up a bunch of 
potential labels for this graph, which would be like the y-axis. And one, one that sticks out in my mind that I know I have a picture of somewhere that was the first time I was like, oh, this is really funny. Um, the trend line that had been drawn was, uh, well, it was for a graph of someone's age for that their whole life going from like zero to 90 or something. And then the trend line was like mostly, <laughs> mostly flat and kind of in the middle and then just spikes up huge right around <laughs> age like 38 and then comes back down. And the, uh, the card that someone played uh, to label that graph was Fear of Vampires. And, <laughs> and I just, I like, there's such a story there. I was like, what happened in this person's life at age 38 where they suddenly were like, oh shit. Um, so <laughs> I think after that, we, uh, we thought there was really something that could be fleshed out. Of course, maybe the they watched, was- maybe they watched the Leslie uh, Nielsen movie, uh, Dead and Loving It. You know, that was, yeah, uh, that's right. It scared yeah. them to death. Right. So that's that's interesting that it came that way and you had that moment. Do you guys still have the sticky notes? I have them, not all of them, but I have many of those somewhere kind of in a, a plastic bag back in my closet <laughs> of uh, very early activities. Oh, you got to frame right. those. You got to like put them up like your first dollar <laughs> bill. You, you hang them on the wall yeah. of, the, of your office so you can be like, look, that's where it started. Yeah, it's one of those things that, that it, yeah, at the time... Um, it, it wasn't clear that those were going to be worth saving. Um, so I don't know yeah. that we did a good job. <laughs> <laughs> now you guys are brothers, correct? That's what I read on your bio. Oh, if only. Um, oh, okay. I thought I read that on the bio. I'm sorry about that. That's okay. I, you, sometimes uh, yeah. uh, on various websites, uh, people put my last name as cats. So it's easy uh, to make that mistake if you kind of like board game geek, I think has me listed as Josh cats. Uh, some other places do, um, but it's not, it's not true. My last name's Josh okay. Roberts. Uh, we're only related in follicularly. <laughs> so you're, yeah. you're, you're, you're brothers now in arms, you're brothers in the war of board games. That's right. And it is a war. Definitely. <laughs> okay, so like what kind of games do you guys play or what did you guys play when you were doing that? So like if you were going to sit down for a game night, what would you crack out? Like what's your idea game? Uh, Both say you Wavelength. Go first? So. No, <laughs> we really could. Uh, the greatest party game ever created, Wavelength. Um, so my wife and I play uh, a good bit of games. I think the staples for us these days, um, depending on time, um, you know, the, if, if we're going to go long form, there's a game called My Father's Work, which is kind of like a generational engine builder or worker placement hybrid that's really cool. Uh, but it, you know, takes three hours to play. So <laughs> with two kids in the house, it's not always easy to do that. We've never finished. I don't think we'll ever finish a, a session of that game in one night. It usually, you know, spans out over a week or so. Um Acropolis is something we'll play a lot. Um, one of the things that's really appealing about that one for us is our nine-year-old can play it, our 10-year-old now uh, can play it with us. Uh, and when he eventually loses interest and drops out, um, it kind of nicely transitions from three players to two um, with without missing a beat, which is cool. Um, my wife and I play a lot of uh, a game called Onitama, which is like a okay. really elegant um, kind of almost like chess, but not really. Um, it's, it's, it's very, with the, it, that's one with the black and white stones, correct? You move across the no. board. Oh, okay. That's I'm thinking of a different Shobu. one. Though. I think you're thinking of Shobu, um, which we played a little bit. Um, the mirroring thing, uh, tends to frustrate my better half. Uh, so she doesn't love that. Um, only Tom is like, you've got five pieces. One of them is your sensei. So like your king, Um, And the players trade cards back and forth uh, for the moves you could make. And it's basically, can you capture everybody else's pieces or get your sensei to their dojo? Um, And like it takes five minutes to play. uh, So you can play 100 games in an hour. Uh, It's really awesome and super fun. So Um, you're waiting for the Cobra. So everybody should be waiting for the Cobra Kai, you know, cover version (laughs) because it sounds like it could be, you know, that show in a game. Oh my God, if only, I don't know what he's doing now. Um, but like the, even the packaging, the pieces, that game's just awesome from end to end. Um, and if anybody deserves a lucrative licensing deal on their concept, it's him. Um, I think that we're also playing the, um, the star Wars, uh, clone wars game right now. That's based on, uh, the pandemic. pandemic. Yeah. Um, which I, you know, 
having a 10 year old son, I'm doing everything in my power I can to get him attached to star Wars. Um, and that's been, that's been, uh, nice for provoking his interest there. Uh, How is that game? I, I play pandemic a lot and I'm, I'm thinking about picking up the clone wars one because it looks interesting. Yeah. Uh, it is. I mean, uh, do you like pandemic a lot? Yes. Like, I love wanna... pandemic. Okay, cool. Then if, if you're, if you're interested in playing pandemic with a different set of clothes on, I would, I would endorse it highly. <laughs> Yeah, Pandemic's one of those games I describe it as there's 47 ways to lose and you could lose in the first turn and not realize it and only one way to win. And, you know, I don't know how many times I've come down, my wife and I have come down to the last two cards and you're like, please be Budapest, please be Budapest and neither of them are there. And you're just like, great, that's that's (laughs) wonderful. And you've lost, you know, you lost 10 cards ago, but you have no idea you actually lost. Yeah, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. We play, uh, we play Outer Rim. Have you ever played Outer Rim from Star Wars? No, I have a little more. Deep. Just it's, talked about that to me. Yeah, it's it's a big game. I bought the expansion. It's not even bigger. Um, you really have to plan it out. You're playing a smuggler, and you got to go around and do different things and cargo and and bounties and all this different stuff. But you move around right. the universe. It's this big arch, and you got to move around your ship and stuff like that. So it's interesting. Oh, I think we saw somebody playing that at Gen Con. Like, it takes up a ton of table space, right? Yes, yes. Yeah, so I yeah, have it right. on my kitchen table, and especially with the expansion, it makes it even bigger. Yeah, we saw yeah, somebody playing that. that at a hotel bar uh, at Gen Con, and I all I recognized was, like, Star Wars pieces, and then it was gigantic. And I was like, man, we should <laughs> we should skip our next meeting and see if we could sit in <laughs> on that. Going to have to yeah. buy myself a bigger table. Yeah, the, the nice thing about it is with the expansion is originally you had to go like if you were arching, not to talk about other people's games, but we're uh, we you had to go from one end of the universe to the other. You had to go actually across to get to the other side. And they when they made it bigger, they added these little at the ends now that you can jump from one side of the board to the other side of the boards because literally it would take you four turns to get all the way across the board Jeez. to get where you needed to. So it was like, oh great, oh, so, that's a grind. That's great. Yeah. Uh, not for nothing. While we were making abduction, there was a significant part of me who was like, "Can we get the Star Wars license and make this a Star Wars game?" Uh, but I'm, I'm glad <laughs> we went the direction we did because I think it makes we, more uh, sense. I, I hope one day we still have that opportunity to have a spinoff, uh, <laughs> yeah, themed version. I, you know, there's Star Wars Catan. Like, yeah. Wouldn't it be hilarious if Dave was just Vader? <laughs> yeah, sending you out, sending you out as stormtroopers to collect the Jedi's. Like, like, to organize yeah. them into patterns. That's what you don't get to see in the movies is that, you know, 80% of a stormtrooper's job is just collecting ducks and doing paperwork. Well, and Vader oh, yeah. rise through middle management and up to the, yeah. up to the yeah, top of the ranks. The yeah, backstory. Was, <laughs> there was a Saturday Night Live skit that they did with the new movies when it was uh, uh, Undercover Boss with Kylo Ren and he oh, went yeah. around. Yeah. That was a great... Exactly, exactly what you're talking about. You're like... Oh, it is that way. Like you got to think about it is all these people are on this space station and somebody's got to clean the toilets. Yeah, they're not. Yeah, right. All the time. So Evan, what do you play? Uh, Well, it's always funny when people ask me this question because the the short answer is, oh, I don't play games. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) But that's not true. Um, But it's definitely true that I am not someone who plays... uh, heavy strategy games or really even too many like new light strategy games. Yeah. I do have a soft spot, uh, for Catan. Um, okay. and, uh, just classic the, the rage that it causes everyone. Um, I think, I think, uh, I really enjoy playing games where they're, uh, something that they're simple enough that players can learn them very quickly. And so we can kind of skip to the, all right, we all understand the rules and the basic strategy standpoint. Like let's, let's get to some of the more in-depth strategy rather than you got to play it three or four times before that starts to emerge. Um, And a lot of that, of course, has to do with my own patience, but it does, uh, you know, I'm, I'm really into games like, uh, like I've, I've played a ton of Scrabble. Um, I still play uh, uh, a lot of Scrabble um, against, people on my phone every day. Uh, I think I'm the only one still doing that. Um, but, uh, you know, games like that, uh, or even uh, Bananagrams, which I don't know if people even consider that a, a board game when they start to think of it. I'm like, you learn those well, rules I in mean, yeah, 10 it, seconds. It could be. It could um, be. But uh, I think there's actually quite a lot of strategy to Bananagrams. And um, 
but other other games that I've really enjoyed recently, of course, uh, Josh mentioned Wavelength, or I mentioned Wavelength, uh, which is a, a party game where you have to um, kind of convince your team where something is on a spectrum, something like hot to cold, um, okay. or something like uh, weird to normal. Um, and so just it's just a brilliant concept. We uh, we know the creator of that and really like that one. Um, but uh, I think Josh and I have both really enjoyed this game called Dimension, um, mm. which is super simple to learn. Again, you're basically trying to stack these colored spheres um, in a way that uh, doesn't violate any of the conditions that the, uh, the game will generate for you in any given turn. And I think I, I also really appreciate games like that where they are almost self-generating, kind of in the way Pandemic is, um, mm-hmm. which I, I do like Pandemic as well. But mm-hmm. um, it's, it's going to be fresh every time and perhaps even fresh in ways that the creators didn't even really ever intend. Um, or, you know, they didn't have to. These aren't, they, these aren't scenarios that they sat down and created individually. They just kind of put the parameters out and then the game is going to make you something new each time. So, yeah. And that's, that's, that's one of the great, thing. that's one of the really great things. Um, we'll start talking about abduction is that way is, is every time you crack it open, it's a different game every time because you don't know how the cards are going to come out. You don't know how the ducks are going to come out. So, okay. Where did abduction come from and why ducks? <laughs> Josh, why don't you talk about why ducks? And I'll talk. I was just going back through some pictures and notes, and I think for me, there are three games that Abduction was inspired by. Um, but uh, that I, at least on my end, but you have a you have a better. I, better I don't even know how we like landed on the actual concept, but <laughs> my my recollection of this is so we've got this Google Slides document that we put in. You know, every idea we have for a game concept. So when it's time to, that we're on the front end of the, the game development cycle, we revisit that. And it's like, is there anything that we're, we're both into uh, that we want to try to pursue? Um, Maybe the dumbest idea in that whole document um, that, that, you know, a, a real distinction, because there's a lot of dumb ideas in this document, um, was this thing that, that I put in there called um, Aqueducts. And <laughs> Aqueducts was... Um, I'm like embarrassed to tell the story of what Aqueduct is. Um, it, it's a it's a it's a physics game. It's a water displacement game. Basically, it was a it's a drinking game disguised as not a drinking game necessarily. Um, which you know, in hindsight, with what Heroes of Arcadia is doing, maybe we should have made Aqueducts. Anyway, um, the idea was Richard, you still it, get you still got time. You can go a duck route. You can have a whole duck section. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Um, so the idea was there was like a series of, of shot glasses, um, you know, from very small thimble shot glasses up to a pint glass, right? And the players would have to move their ducks sort of Mancala style from one end to the other. But like you, there'd be escalating amounts of liquid in each thing. And I wanted to like figure out how to break the laws of physics so like the ducks would all be the same size and weight but have different densities somehow again like you know really <laughs> terrible idea um but the idea was like can you get from one end that, to the other that it's the thing that happens with different materials so yeah it's not a total pipe dream josh <laughs> we well, can, but we can I, do that. The, the hard part would be the keeping the weight consistent and the density wildly different enough you know anyway anyway um <laughs> <laughs> ah the germ uh, of an idea yeah right so I, I bought a whole bunch of plastic ducks um is the end of this story and we had them laying around uh and then as evan often does uh came up with a, a game concept that was brilliant but i think at the time where you were just using like wooden tokens or something did it start with you using the ducks or i feel like i initially thought take this story made. over <laughs> I thought it would be played with like M&Ms or something. Uh, and then I was like looking for something to uh, to simulate those M&Ms, which I was too lazy to go to the store to get. And I was like, oh, well, I have these colored ducks on my desk from Josh's weird idea. So we'll just use those temporarily. <laughs> were they like uh, big like big ones or small ones? Or? They, they yeah, actually are little... identical to yeah. the ducks that are in the game right oh, okay. now. Okay. 
Um, you can you can buy those on Amazon. They're not the exact same colors, but that that was a thing that existed. Um, I uh, and if anyone drives a Jeep, they may have encountered them because they're big in Jeep culture. Apparently. Yeah, I've seen that. Don't understand it, but yeah, I, I know <laughs> what you're talking about. Jeep, so. People put them on their their uh, side mirrors. Yeah, right. Uh, huh. So these these ducks have been around. Um, but I, I was thinking back and, uh, I, I will do my best to quickly walk through where to me, this idea came from. And of course, everything kind of gets clearer and warped in hindsight at the same time. But I played a round of, uh, this game dominion, um, which if you haven't played, uh, I, I Googled it. Apparently it was one of the first, if not the first deck builder games. Um, hmm. I don't know if that's true or not, but you know. The idea is that you start out with a small deck of kind of low power cards, and then you'll randomly draw out uh, like five of them at a time. And then you can use that combination of five that come out to kind of purchase more cards from the uh, the bank or whatever it may be. Um, and then eventually all the cards you purchase along with the ones you already had get shuffled back into your kind of random deck. And then you keep doing this. And so like you are trying to acquire cards in ways that hopefully will, when they're drawn randomly, kind of have a high likelihood of coming out in combinations that are powerful and useful to you. Okay. Um, and I, I, I never played a game like that before. And I was like, oh, this is a, this is a really interesting, pretty simple, fun concept. Um, but unfortunately to me, uh, it was um, trapped within the name Deck Builder. And uh, which which is, you know, even even to a kind of mid-level game player like myself is a little bit uh, uh, inaccessible. Um, and I'm like, that's certainly not something that my mother is ever going to want to play or even somebody who's not a card game player. And, you know, a lot of the games also have uh, find themselves in a, a fantasy realm or, um, you know, Magic the Gathering adjacent. Yep. And so... I was thinking, all right, is there way we can kind of like break this concept out of that into a totally different sphere, but keep the mechanic of it? Um, so, so the idea that I was thinking of was like, what if I had a bag of M and M's, basically, um, and just different cute colored things, and you would draw them out in like a line, and if they came out in uh, either certain patterns or streaks of the same color, that they would uh, that would be good for you. And so, you know, you could then use those to somehow acquire more things of that color and, uh, suddenly you got to don't eat your them. tokens. Yeah. Right. <laughs> don't eat the tokens because that, that's going to lose your power. All right. So I started playing that with ducks. Um, and, uh, one thing was apparent was that it wasn't any fun. Um, but, <laughs> but I was, you know, messing around with it and realized, okay, it's not fun if you just are like relying on statistics to uh, hope that you get three ducks that are pink to come out in a row from your bag. But if you can have a row of them out, say 10 of them, and then maybe you have some cards that let you do things that rearrange the order of your line, um, that's a little bit more interesting yeah. and uh, has some thought go into it. And actually reminded me of this game, Guillotine, that I played uh, many times, um, which is a uh, a uh, kind of irreverent um, take on the French Revolution where there's a line of noble people um, and your job is to uh, rearrange that line and behead the noble person that is most valuable. Um, oh, oh, wow. That's, that's, um, that's, that's interesting. Yeah. So <laughs> does uh, it actually have a guillotine? Do you get to pull a little thing to make the blade uh, come down? It, it does come with one. Uh, it is non-functional, <laughs> but yes, it is oh. a, a paper uh, guillotine. Yeah. So no. the uh, whether whether or not how you feel about the concept, uh, the flavor of that game, um, the line rearrangement mechanic uh, had stuck with me, and um, and so that that certainly influenced things there. And then my uh, my roommate at the time, Vince who I had been forcing to play this game with me was like, you know, this game might be a lot better if there were two lines of ducks, not just one. Um, and, uh, and, that and that's where the pattern, the pattern idea came from and everything. Well, that was when we suddenly got to this kind of Mancala style version where instead of, uh, you know, in, in a way it is a line of 10 ducks still, but it's been folded mm -hmm. in half because the ducks do travel down the street. Yeah, oh, yeah. 
Um, That's part of the fun of the game. Part of the fun of the game. But once they're uh, in this this uh, kind of stacked line where they're both moving in opposite directions, you're able to do a lot more interesting uh, movements that involve top and bottom, side to side. And uh, I know I've been talking for a hot second no, here. You're good. The, uh, the last game that inspired this was then it suddenly it was clearly related to uh, Candy Crush or Bejeweled, okay, which uh, we've all played. All, uh, yeah, you've you know most popular uh, mobile app game of all time. I think. yeah. One one of the things that's great about the game uh, is number one is the tactileness of it because the ducks are this amazing resin that just feels good in your hands. And then the silicone, is it silicone or rubber? The the spaceship itself, the UFO, reaching your hand in there. It's an amazing feeling and it does add something to it to reach in and kind of fiddle around. And uh, my wife and I, when we play, we always pick it up and shake it in an attempt to get, you know, you're hoping for that duck on top. And even then I dig in. Was that part of the plan? Is it, is it, were you testing different materials for the ducks and it just came out that way? Or was it just, hey, these are, these feel good? Go ahead, Josh. But I, I think this is a great example of I wanted one thing, Josh wanted another thing, and neither of them would have been as good as what we ended up with, I think. Yeah, well, and I think it's it's sort of one of the spots where we find some creative tension, which I think is important in any creative pursuit to have a have a partner um that doesn't think exactly like you um and and sort of the example here uh, is, uh with our game components like i i want to bolt on if it were up to me we would have figured out how to make the ufo hover and <laughs> <laughs> like it would have lights on it and a tractor beam and the whole thing right um, but of course that game costs twelve thousand dollars to make and you have to sell it for forty thousand dollars to get any profit which is not a good business plan and if it were up to me we would just include a, a piece of paper that said ufo on it and, yeah <laughs> and keep all the money for ourselves the ducks the ducks would be m&ms and there'd be in the instructions it would say you have to go to the store and buy the m&ms yourself right you have to subscribe to we'll send you one M&M. yes we'll send you them once a month you get a bag of m&ms to resupply yourself that's that's yeah. actually funny yeah but so this yeah. the spot where the way we think about this where it kind of comes together is is you recognize, and you talked about this with, with you and your wife, that there's a lot of games out there that are two or three decks of cards, maybe some meeples, and you smash them together mm-hmm. in whatever way you do. And um, there's a lot of those. Uh, you know, several thousand new games are launched every year. So it's like, how do we, how do we both take pride in our creative process but stand out among the crowd? And one of the ways you could do that is let's let's create components that are completely off the wall that nobody's seen before that aren't being used in games. Um, you know, we're working on stuff right now. We've, we've pushed our manufacturing partners to the limits of their abilities with some of this stuff. They like had to bring on new team members to be able to make these, games <laughs> for us, create, you know, buy new machines and this, that, and that. So you're creating jobs. You're, you're, you're creating jobs through fun. Sure. That's a, that's an awfully generous way of putting it. Um, but it is like, uh, you know, if, if abduction was M&Ms and a paper crafted UFO, what does that look like in a video on TikTok? What does it look like mm-hmm. in a picture on a Facebook ad? And like that, that's not, the reason we pursue creative things creatively necessarily, but we do run a business. So you do have to think about that stuff on, at some yeah. point. Like I'm sure any musician coming up right now is like when they're thinking of the hook of their song, it's like, if this goes viral on TikTok, how are people going to use the hook of my song? And how is that song yeah. going to be received if it's used in ways I don't intend? So like you've got it, you've, there's, there's just modern day considerations you have to make. And it's just the reality of where we are right now. Who writes the comedy for the game? Because the cards on each of the cards for the patterns, there's Dave gives you either yells at you, or I think one was (laughs) offhand. I'm trying to remember I'm offhand, but one was like, Hey, let's get this done quick. So we can have a three day weekend and, you know, do this. And even the instruction book, the fact that it starts with congratulations, welcome intern. Like right off the bat, you're just like, this is different. This is fun. And and that was part of it. And the whole description of why ducks, because ducks are all over the universe. 
yeah. just made it so much fun <laughs> to like i sat down a lot of times i think we all do this you 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 read direction books but you don't you you every now every game comes with the rule book and the how to play because they know no one actually reads the rule book until you need it yeah. but yours was just so much fun to to flip through and read and the little quotes and stuff like that so who writes dave's lines uh I think we actually did a pretty good split on that one is that yeah so i i think yes um and it's it's true of charity party it's true of ransom notes it's true of you know Charlie Party is a good example because to this day, I can go through the, the 250 Y-axis cards and I can tell you who wrote which one um, it, with 100% confidence that I get it right because um, Evan and I have very distinct styles and senses of humor, uh, but they, they uh, it, it tends to be complementary, um, not overlapping, not redundant. Um, so where that matters, like the abduction instruction manual um, you know, I had this idea that it should, it should not just be instructions. Like it should be a, a sort of world building element. Mm -hmm. and it does that. I, I wrote a short novel. Um, <laughs> and then, <laughs> and then I think, you know, Evan, Evan made it useful and good. Um, well, and let's even back that up a step further of there was a month or two of when the game when the concept, the gameplay that more or less is how it is today existed, but it was just the ducks and yeah. there was no spaceship. And then one day Josh came and said, you know, what if we called it abduction and there, it's, it's a tractor beam situation where the spaceship is moving the ducks around. And I was kind of like, ah, I don't know about it. <laughs> and then quickly came to my senses of, oh yeah, that's way better. So yeah, let me, let me, expand on that quickly um i i don't like it when there's games that do stuff like why why are these ducks moving on the pond and there's no reason for it and i know it's kind of dumb and it, like it's not necessary for the game to work but like i i wanted there to be a reason that the ducks get manipulated around the board and disappear I, yeah. you know and so the, the only thing that made sense was alien um Anyway, so then, uh, you know, we, we, we do the, the instruction thing the way we talked about. And then Dave, I remember we had a spreadsheet um, for each of the cards. And I wrote a version of what Dave would say. Evan wrote a version of what Dave would say. And we would meet on a fairly regular basis and be like, this is a good idea. This idea is better. What if we combine these two ideas um, and just kind of Frankensteined it together um, into into what Dave kind of became, but I, I think we both contributed to that, uh, you know, pretty thoroughly. So you mentioned the fact that the ducks disappear and, and, and that's one of the things that's fascinating, frustrating and fun about the game is yeah. it's the two lines of ducks. And when you remove a pattern in a way, you're almost hurting yourself because now you have to move everything around or depending on what cards are pulled, people can take ducks. And I've had so many times where my wife and I are playing against each other and either we don't realize that we're both going after the same pattern, which will kill you, or the fact that you're like one away and then they do something or you realize, oh, I could do this. And then you're like, oh, wait a minute, that pattern's there. And you take that pattern instead thinking you got the easy one. And then suddenly you realize you just killed yourself for the entire rest of the game. <laughs> you know, that is what makes it fun. That's what be interesting. Was that the purpose? Was that the idea to get strategy into it? Oh, for I, sure. Um, yeah. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> I think, uh, and you know, as, as we're having this conversation, I'm looking back at our kind of behind the scenes content from our Google Drive folder of where all this lives. And you can kind of see uh, the, the, you know, the archaeological dig of where the game came from. And um, there were many times when we went back and forth on, well, is the where should the game sit in the balance between luck and strategy and how much you uh, can mess with your opponents versus um, it's something that's almost completely solitaire. And, um, and you know, all of that translates into how long does the game take? How intense versus casual is the game? And so, uh, and we found a lot of times uh, small changes, extremely small changes to the rules had a huge impact on some of that stuff. For instance, uh, for a long time, there was no limit to how many formation cards <clears throat> you could take in a turn. 
Um, so if you had the ability, you could actually grab two formation cards in one turn. Um, and, so, and I think we also had a rule where much kind of like the solo play version of the game, if you got a formation card, you got to take some more action cards. So people would, in theory, do these kind of like chain reaction. Oh my God, I just got like seven cards in a row turns. Um, and yeah, now now looking back, that's insane. But at, at, yeah. at the time, um, we were like, oh, that's cool and fun. And like, you know, it caters to somebody who has a, a, a lot of strategic foresight. Um, but it sucks for everyone else. Um, yep. Because you got to sit there, not only while one person's turn takes a while, but then you got to wait for them to refill their ducks and blah, blah, blah. So a lot of those uh, kind of strategic considerations need to be weighed against. Well, what's the experience like for people who aren't playing right now, but are still sitting at the table? Yeah. And yeah. that's part of the fun of the game also is the randomness of it, that when you remove your ducks, you reach in to pull new ducks out of a blind UFO and I'm sure you guys already know this, and I've been frustrated by it, when you need one duck color, and for <laughs> some reason, you can never find that color, and you're just you're just pulling through, and you know you put all the ducks back in it, I mean, they're all the ducks are there, <laughs> and you're shaking it, and you're pulling, and you're like, oh, I need the blue duck, and you just keep pulling white ones, and you keep taking the card where it says, you can remove ducks, fine, I'm removing ducks, and taking them out, and I'm, I'm just like, it's so frustrating, but again, that's what makes it fun. Yeah, I I would just add to I agree with you uh for sure Michael and I would just add to what Evan was saying. Um uh, there was a mechanic early on where you the you didn't have to capture the formation in the exact orientation that it shows up on the card. So like uh you could get it if it was upside down or backwards or mirror image whatever. Um, and, and what that turned into is, is the formation cards, there was no like achievement to it. Like it was, they were all too easy to available at all times. Um, so we limited it to it that it had to be precise. Uh, but there's still enough luck and randomness where, you know, Evan, Evan kind of started down this path. Like I can play abduction with my 10 year old son because I can't plan ahead 10 turns. Mm -hmm. If I could ahead 10 turns i would kill him every single game to the extent it would not be fun for him to sit at the table and play with me um and i think there there are thousands of games out there that are objectively great and precise and consider like an amount of deep analytical thinking that our games don't necessarily require but those games aren't for everybody and one of the things that that we take a lot of pride in is is trying to make games that are accessible um, so if you show up at a party and four, four to six people are going to sit around a table and play a game, it doesn't take you two hours to teach them how to do it. And yep. four people aren't awesome. bored right out of the gate. Yeah. So, okay. So we are Crafts and Conquer. So beer is obviously part of the show. That's one of the things that I am a craft beer aficionado and I was told you guys like beer too. So if you were going to sit down and pick the perfect beer to drink with abduction. Oh, what would be that beer? Uh, I have I have an answer for that question, regardless of the context and activity. Um, it is Tiny Bomb by Wiseacre Brewery in Memphis, Tennessee. Um, no okay. matter what you're doing, you should have a Tiny Bomb. What kind of beer is it? It's a Pilsner. Um, okay. Crispy. Yeah. Uh, and there's a couple things going on uh, with Wiseacre in particular. So the, the two brewmasters... Um, spent years uh, overseas in Germany, like perfecting their craft um, and decided to set up their brewery in Memphis. Um, and like, this is true. I'm not just making this up because I'm a, I'm a Memphis homer. Um, we have uh, the, the best tap water uh, likely in the world. Like there's a, okay. we, we get our tap water through a sand filter that's underneath Memphis um and it's delicious and super drinkable and as you know beer is mostly water uh so yep. you start with start with really good water you end up with really good beer um and that's that's what's happened with uh with all the breweries here but, but you know my favorite being tiny bomb all right evan you got one yeah i do uh well i have a category uh <laughs> Uh, I, one of the first times I played abduction kind of for real. And by that, I mean, in a way where the rules are like set up enough where you could, uh, kind of exist within them and, and, and 
try to win against some other people was uh, my parents came to town. Uh, this would have been right, right about when I moved to Atlanta uh, a few months after it. So, um, well, whenever that was, and, the, and the, the timing matters because we had just launched a game a couple of months ago called Open Relationships, which was our first Kickstarter that didn't do so hot. Uh, it did fine, but you know we were kind of used to each Kickstarter was a bigger success than the last. Um, <laughs> and and this game, uh, for reasons we didn't fully understand at the time, hadn't done that well. Um, the good news is on that one, we've uh, recently relaunched it at, under the name Vens with Benefits. It's a Venn diagram making party game. Uh, we made some changes to it. It's doing way better. Uh, so happy ending to that story. But at the time, there you go. Um, I was, you know, kind of feeling both down about that launch and also feeling like, dang, we gotta, we gotta <laughs> figure out what our next game's gonna be. Um, and uh, when my parents came to visit, which was kind of early of that year, um, I played two games with them when they were here, or at least two prototypes, uh, and one was uh, this game that was a mess of connected strings and ping pong balls. And, uh, <laughs> and I think I <laughs> I didn't even really know what this game was about. And we were like 15 minutes in and uh, my dad looked at me and said, son, I hate this. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, wow, but, talk, talk about uh, taking it right out of you. Just being yeah, honest. Uh, but uh, that one also has a happy ending in that uh, despite his words of encouragement, uh, that game became <laughs> Tiny Laser Heist, um, which we launched recently, which involves uh, a bunch of that. strings uh, stretched between a, a museum when they're lasers and you got to avoid them. The other game that we played was uh, Abduction. Um, and it, it was far enough along that we were able to take it to a brewery down the street. And my, my parents are big, dark beer people. So I don't know exactly which ones we got, but we, you know, got some uh, porters and stouts and had them yeah. out on the table. And it was kind of a like early spring day in the sun. And uh, being able to see abduction for the first time, like as a play it out uh, at the brewery type of game um, and just see how it was like lightweight enough to, I mean, literally to easily carry there, but also to. I can chat with my my mom while my dad's taking his turn, and then and then it moves on, and so it has that mm -hmm. nice level of space for you to kind of uh, engage and disengage naturally. Um, anyway, that was a long winded way of saying. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm a, I'm a big I, I'm I'm a monster beer guy. I I like the Imperials, Imperial IPAs, yeah. big stouts, big porters, like. You know, I, I, I'll go out with my friends and they'll be like, oh, I'll have an IPA and I'll have this. And I'll be like, oh, I'll have that 13% Imperial barrel aged one. And they look at me like, are you insane? That's the first beer you're going to do. I'm like, yeah, you start heavy. You go for it. So, yeah, I, I that's always been my thing. Uh, right now, I've got a bunch of IPAs in my fridge, uh, a couple different breweries. So that's good. What are some of the breweries you guys like in Memphis in that area? So Evan's in Atlanta now. Um, I'll let okay. him talk about that. But I, I, so Memphis, I, one of the things that I espouse about why the city is so awesome is we have an incredible local beer scene, um, again, because of the water. Um, and I think you kind of can't go wrong. Uh, you know, I've talked about Wiseacre endlessly. The, the OG in Memphis is uh, called Ghost River. Um, they do a good job, and they've got a, a little tap room uh, downtown. Um, that has a kitchen for uh, New Wing Order, which combines another uh, Memphis <laughs> delicacy supreme uh, in Hot Wings. Uh, there's Meddlesome Brewery that's like right around the corner from my house, which is nice. Um, and then I think the other one uh, that, that I would frequent and um, holds a near and dear place in my heart is uh, Memphis Made. Um mm. And what's cool about them, uh, for me, sentimentally, is uh, they've got like all these picnic tables in their tap room. Um, yep. And Evan set up a gigantic play test for our game, Puns of Anarchy, uh, with a bunch of his college friends one night. And like, that's when we knew that game had some magic to it. Like there were, I don't know what, 20 people playing in four or five different pods, um, just riotous laughter the whole night. And I was like, ah, we got something here. Um, there you go. So, um, that was cool. And you know, in Atlanta, there's, there's 
I actually feel like Memphis has more breweries per capita, um, but Atlanta, of course, has, uh, and it's probably because of the water. Atlanta has plenty. Um, I, I'm a I'm a small brewery guy, so there's uh, the, actually the one I mentioned that we played abduction at was right around the corner called Bigger Staff Brewing, um, and they make some great dark beers. Uh, and then another one right nearby. I'm in kind of the uh, just east of downtown area called Imaginarium, um, that has it must be twenty uh, beers on tap at any time wow. that they're, they're making in house. So very, very cool spot to visit. If you're ever in Atlanta, great little tap cool. room. That's great. That's great. Yeah. I noticed that a lot of your games before abduction were word-based. You had, you know, yeah. the fin party even coming out, ransom <clears throat> note, charity party. What, where was that transition? Like where, at what point did you guys say, okay, we well, got to get away from what we were doing and kind of come up with something new or was it a planned thing? Uh, I, I think the simplest answer is uh, we were out of ideas. Um, for <laughs> <laughs> but, but, you know, um, I think the, the other equally true one was we, as much as we like word games um, or these humor-based party games, um, and I, I hope we'll continue to, to go back to them in a way, um, you know, each each one, if you look at Charity Party, and it was, so we started with Charity Party, then we made Puns of Anarchy, which has uh, dry erase markers in it. Then we made Ransom Notes, um, which has uh, word magnets and uh, metal trays in it. Um, each one started to have more an unusual components to it, even though they were still in word games uh, territory. And I think we both enjoy just that sort of expansion. And, um, at some point it's hard to, uh, make a word game that, that has really cool components to it. I don't want to say they don't exist because some certainly do, but, um, I think we are both just pretty inspired to say, Hey, do you think we can kind of, you know, we've, we've made these humor games, but can we make a game where that's not the core value to it? Okay. Um, yeah. So it, it was a bit of a leap for sure to try abduction. Yeah. Well, uh, and I, w- I would add a different perspective to that too, uh, which I not to say what Evan said is not completely accurate. It is, uh, but like we we don't have a writers' room, we don't have a staff. It's the two of us, and like I could write ten thousand more ransom notes cards, but you know you're you're getting ten thousand more ransom notes cards written from my perspective with my sense of humor, and, and you know like do you do you want and need that um or or should we try to apply our creative energy to something else um and listen i i love ransom notes i think it's awesome um it's hilarious but like uh you know i'm 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 gonna write ten thousand more cards that kind of have the same tone and the same sense of humor and maybe that's not necessary yeah that's great it's been great talking to you guys uh i got a rapid fire affection for you i want to ask five questions Real yes. fast, you can each you can each <laughs> answer individually. That's what I like. Uh, it's that you know first thing that comes to mind as you do it. Uh, I'll start with uh, what game do you wish you designed? Wavelength. Wavelength. All right. <laughs> <laughs> if games were kids, which one's your favorite? Ooh, Vins with benefits. <laughs> I'm going to say Charty Party only because, uh, you it's know, the first. it's the first and, and, uh, we don't play it that often, but I keep, I'll come back to it sometimes, uh, and be like, man, this game is funny as shit. <laughs> All right. So if you could drink only one style of beer forever, what would it be? Any bomb. Porter. Porter. Okay. Uh, Seth or Jedi? Jedi. Mm. Sit. Sit. All right. That's, that's what I like. I like that combination. And I'm you know. I'm definitely the the <laughs> evil overlord of our business yeah. partner. So wait, don't so am I. I. I'm I just went to uh MGM or uh, Hollywood <laughs> Studios. Oh god, I just dated myself, MGM Hollywood Studios and Road Rise of Resistance, and literally the whole time I'm thinking, I don't want to be, I want to join the first order. I want to go with that. <laughs> so, yeah. It's mostly because I think they have better outfits though. Yeah, um exactly. you know. Oh my fuck. <laughs> All right, one last one. If you could play abduction with anyone alive or dead, who would it be? Oh, wow. wow. Famous, not uh, famous, doesn't matter. Yeah, I. 
so martial arts is a big part of my life, so it's hard for me not to say Bruce Lee. I'm not sure Bruce Lee would be fun to play abduction with, but I just want to hang out with him. Um, <laughs> He's an excuse. Yeah, yeah, right. So I think if given the opportunity to resurrect him and hang out, I I would choose Bruce Lee. But would you let him win just so he doesn't like karate no. chop you across the throat? No, okay. Absolutely not. He's a little dude. Um, I think I could probably <laughs> kick his ass if push came to shove. But I'll, more importantly, he would not wow. respect that. Like uh, he would, <laughs> he would, he would frown upon me throwing the game for him. All right, Evan. Uh- uh, it's so, uh, well, I'm, we're going with first thought, best thought here. And yeah. it's so funny that Josh and I both picked like, you know, uh, famous warriors basically. Um, <laughs> cause abduction is not that intense of a game. Um, <laughs> but, uh, during, during COVID, uh, I got into some weird hobbies as we all do. And one of them was the, uh, the ancient game of go, um, which is, you, you know, you may have seen it. It's like kind of, uh, chess-like in a way, but it's with a bunch of white and black stones. You're moving them around the board, very ancient game, especially uh, popular in Asia. And there's this like ancient woodcut of some general uh, in the, you know, fifth century or something who's like having his arm amputated or something from like a battle wound while he's playing Go. Uh, and that he's just <laughs> clearly a master of, of all uh, strategy and uh and himself and i you know i just i've always i'd like to be on the other side of that uh woodcut and have um abduction be in the center so the the random you know general getting his arm cut off you're gonna get him drunk and play abduction okay i like to think i can bring a a bit of uh peace uh to his mind in that moment (laughs) but would you say makes sense though because a game like abduction actually does teach you strategy and thinking outside the box so for like a general or somebody like that it makes total sense because you have to be thinking five steps ahead of what you're gonna do in hopes that your opponent doesn't think the same thing so yeah that's right uh i'd like to clarify that this is not a general from the roman empire i know it's a hot topic right now and i don't think about the roman empire every day for anyone uh (laughs) interpreting that so well thank you so much guys uh josh and evan i really appreciate talking to you hopefully we'll be talking again in the future uh any final thoughts real fast before i we stop i don't think so thank you so much for having us and i i appreciate the opportunity to talk about games and hope uh hope people keep playing yeah Yeah, this was a ton of fun and i look forward to listening to some future episodes thank you very much Thank you so much to Evan and Josh for joining me today on this debut episode. If you're interested in getting Abduction or any of the other games from Very Special Games, you can go to their website at VerySpecialGames.com or they're also available on Amazon, just like everything else in the world. If you're interested in being on the show, if you have some love of beer or board games or you think it'd be interesting or you have some connection in that industry, give me an email at craftsandconquer at gmail.com. Thank you so much for joining me. And may your beer be cold and your dice roll true.